We want when people come here, this to be an overwhelming sense of home. Because biblical Christianity at its core is relational. If you are going to lead, you have to first be, you have to first be led. Hey, welcome to Lead Talks with the Craigs. My name's Craig Mosgrove. And I'm Chad Craig. Yeah, we welcome you again here to our podcast. And uh, our byline for this podcast is, in order to lead, you must first be led. Yeah, and that's also the title of this season. So we're in season three, Pastor Chad, of uh, our leadership conversation. And uh, this season's all about the person of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Right. So we've started, if you haven't, or you're new with us in episode four, love for you to invite you to go engage the first three episodes. In the first three episodes, we talked about the personhood of the Spirit. We talked about ultimately the Spirit's leadership and hearing the Spirit mm-hmm. and and guidance and leadership of the Spirit. And today, we're going to deal with the, a big theme, but it's a theme that's often misunderstood. And that's, Normally, yeah. Yeah, that's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Friends, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to fulfill the mission of the church, right? Yep. The mission of Accelerate the church. It. That's right. And so anyone who's gone through hopefully a membership class at your church before, or you've been a part of a spirit-filled kind of charismatic congregation where you understand these things, um, we realize the church is in the world to fulfill the mission of the head of the church, and the head of the church is Jesus. Yes. And Jesus clearly, meeting Pastor Chad, if we want to discover what the church's mission is about, we got to know what Jesus is about, because it's ultimately an extension of his life. And Jesus in right. his flesh really came with just some some key purposes. The first one, obviously, we know is to glorify God, everything He did to bring honor to the Father. Reveal the Father. That's right. Mm -hmm. Second is to evangelize and save the lost, right? So, obviously, He came to seek and save the lost. But then Mm -hmm. the other one, big one, is to make disciples, right? And in making disciples, uh, part of that was meeting human need. And so, Pastor Chad, where the head of the church goes, the body that belongs to the head has to follow. And so, the way I wanted to kind of frame today's conversation on the gifts of the Spirit is that the gifts are given um, that the purposes of God that God has in Jesus's ministry might also be the purposes that he has for the church. And the gifts, therefore, do not exist that we might somehow stand back and and simply gaze at them mm-hmm. in astonishment. And depending on if, if somebody listening or watching today grew up in a kind of a charismatic environment, sometimes the error of those envir- environments is that the purpose of spiritual gifts gets relegated or reduced down to just entertaining one another inside the church. But the point I wanted to make is that out of the 40 miracles that are recorded in the book of Acts, 39 of those 40 occur outside the church walls, right? And so often I always heard gifts of the Spirit only being to serve as a way just within the walls of the church. But in reality, as we look at today extensively, a lot of these gifts don't happen necessarily even in the context of you know, the four walls or the gathered church. but And we're glad you're here listening today because you're definitely not going to listen uh, to this at the Cessationist podcast. <laughs> you're not, not going to learn this. You're not going to hear it on the Cessationist <laughs> podcast. So obviously, if you're new to our podcast, we, of course, are what we would say is spirit-empowered, spirit-filled believers yep. who believe in the demonstration and gifts and ministry. And if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Amen. then... How is he going to carry on what he did on earth today? Yeah. That's what you're saying. That's right. Through the body of Christ, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, gifts yep. of the Spirit. And that's one of the questions I always have for cessation as Pastor Chad, is that all of them believe the Great Commission is still in, in charge, and in effect. And if the Great Commission is still in charge, whereby, why is the power whereby to discharge that commission not still available? Right. right? And he said, ultimately, don't go and leave Jerusalem until you're clothed 
with power from on high. So mm-hmm. don't go do the mission I've already told you to do until you receive That's right. power. But Pastor Chad, before we jump into the passages this mm-hmm. this day, all the gifts themselves are resident in Christ. We can go through the Gospels, for instance, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we can find all the gifts that that ultimately we're going to describe today as being active in Christ's ministry. I think the only one that we could say is not is maybe the gift of tongues. But one of the things that's interesting about that is that in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is sweating blood, the Bible says that literally, you know, he's 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 got these pressing sorrows and he's crying before the Father, let this cup pass from me, and let's not my will be done, but yours be done. That really coincides with Paul's language in Romans 8, where he says when we're praying and we're struggling in prayer, we groan with inarticulate uh, groans or signs that cannot be uttered. And so Mm -hmm. we know that Jesus identified with that, at least, Mm -hmm. in his time of pressing, right? Yeah. The night of his betrayal. But all of the gifts, maybe with exception of tongues, are evidenced in the Lord's ministry. Definitely. And and that's, uh, again... Kingdom realities, spiritual realities are different than some of natural language, but that's why Scripture highlights that the fullness of God dwelt bodily in Him. So what distinguishes Jesus and His ministry, even from myself, you, our, our ministry, is the fullness of God had dwelt bodily, but also the fullness of the ministry's, uh, Holy Spirit's ministry in Him. So yeah. what you're saying is the unique aspect is every gift, spiritual gift, resided in Him. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was also, as we'll see when we talk about ministry gifts, so not just the charismatic spiritual gifts that we're going to highlight. Correct. Yep, absolutely. So, But Pastor Chad, the key to understanding spiritual gifts is to see them as a perpetuation of Jesus' ministry. Yeah. And so that's what I wanted to start. In Acts 1 and 1, it's a key to opening the second volume of kind of Christian history, right? Luke is obviously talking about it. And Pastor Chad, this is what it says. In my former, or O Theophilus, lover of God, I told you all of the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. Mm -hmm. To me, what is so striking about that introduction is that following his first volume, which is Luke's gospel, right, right, which traces the ministry of Jesus from conception Mm -hmm. all the way to his ascension, right? Days of his flesh. He says as he begins the second volume, which is the history of the church, that the first volume only contains what Jesus began to do and to teach. That's how he said out of his own word, which means Luke, as a theologian of the Spirit, has this understanding that Christian mission is Jesus still working today. Yeah, you're highlighting the began. Yep, absolutely. And all that is described in the book of Acts is the continuing life and ministry of Jesus, which ultimately is only made possible because of the Spirit's work. So, Pastor Chad, to set our framework today, it isn't so much the church ministering as it is Jesus ministering through His church. And the way Jesus ministers through His church is mm-hmm. these gifts. That's it, right? The gifts of the Spirit being ministered through His. If you're going to accomplish something, you got to use your body. Yeah. So Jesus is going to use His body, and He's going to do it then through the supernatural empowerment and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Who dwells within the body? Right. The body of Christ. So, Pastor Chad, two two scriptures, and we're going to jump into these passages. Okay. Ephesians four eight helps oh, yeah. us understand and put the gifts in the context of Christ's gift to the church. Right. So this is a passage what, which we're going to look at more later in this podcast uh, of verses 7 through 11 are kind of what we call the ministry or fivefold gifts. But verse 8, I just found so interesting, Pastor Chad. It says this. It says, When he ascended on high, 
he led captives in his train, okay, which is a curtly king procession, like where there's attendants following after him, and he gave gifts to men. Yep. Now, in the middle of your Bible right there, it says quotation of Psalm 68.18. Yep. But if you go to 68.18, there's one change. Paul totally changes and renders a totally different word. And so Psalm 68.18 says this, Pastor Chad. Paul would get kicked out of some seminaries, let me just tell you that. (laughs) This is the kingly reign of Jesus, but this is fascinating, Pastor Chad. He says, when you ascended on high, you led captives in your train, and you received gifts from men. Now that's logical. A person who conquers sets up a throne, the people bring him gifts. That's what Psalm 68 says. You led Mm -hmm. captives, people, you turned around, people gave you gifts. Paul, by the Spirit, now gives a deeper work of Jesus, and he says when Jesus ascended on high, he had him behind him a train of captives. Who's that? That's Craig. That's you. That's somebody listening today. We've been captured by his love. And those in Abraham's bosom. That's right. He turns around, and he doesn't receive gifts, Psalm 68, 18. He now, Ephesians 4, 8, gives gifts. Instead of us coming and bringing these gifts, oh, we've been captured by your love, he turns around, we've already been captured by his love, and he gives gifts. And when he gives gifts, Paul tells us the gifts of the Spirit with which the church functions are really the gifts of Jesus to his body. So Pastor Chad, God gives good gifts. The first good gift he gives is eternal life. Then he gives us in Acts 2.38 the gift of the Holy Spirit. But once we have gifts of the Spirit... He opens up, Pastor Chad, the gift catalog to us. You know, it's Christmas time. We think of the old school Belks and J.C. Penney catalogs. We had to highlight and circle at yep. Christmas time or Thanksgiving. And the now, once I've received the gift of eternal life, the gift of the baptism of the Spirit, this whole catalog gets opened to me. Correct, which is why if you want to understand spiritual gifts, you would want to get around people that have actually experienced and began to commune in this aspect of Jesus's ministry. Yeah. Holy Spirit. Like I've, I've never found revelation and, and spiritual understanding from people's writings who are writing about what they've never experienced. Yeah. Meaning spiritual understanding of the gifts comes from the fact that you have actually experienced what it is you're talking about. Absolutely. And so, you know, we don't say that arrogantly, but it. But it, if you think about it practically and logically, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're going to have limited understanding if you go to some denominations when it comes to spiritual gifts, because those denominations in practice haven't experienced what it is they think they understand. That's knowledge-based, mm-hmm. and knowledge can be limited. You grow an understanding when you start experiencing and applying what it is that you see in the knowledge of God's Word. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Pastor Chad... I would think our listeners perhaps maybe have heard of a description of the gifts of the Spirit, but maybe like me, that had that has been limited to only the nine gifts of the Spirit we see uh-huh. in 1 Corinthians 12. That was my early upbringing. If you really study the Scripture, though, there's three main gifts passages. There's really four, but th- the, the third one kind of at leads into the fourth they're one. Gonna, yeah, they're going to yeah. coincide. So the first gift passage, Pastor Chad, is Romans 12, 6 through 8, mm-hmm. and there's seven gifts there. Different theologians call them different things. I've tended to always call them motivational gifts. And the reason I call them motivational gifts is because those gifts explain the motivation of the people in the body of Christ to minister to one another. So we go to those seven gifts. The second group of gifts are nine, and that's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 through 11. Mm -hmm. And these are often called the spiritual gifts. Sometimes they're called spiritualities. And the reason being 
is because it's the Greek word charismata, and right. sometimes called charismatic gifts. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is Paul is ultimately juxtaposing the carnalities of how the Corinthian church is operating. And so sometimes these gifts historically in Christian history have been called spiritualities. Hmm. Because they're juxtaposed to the carnalities. That's good. Yeah. These are the these are the, the the Corinthians have carnalities. So Paul is saying these are the spiritualities, the nine gifts, which we'll look at. And then the third passage is still in First Corinthians twelve, right. but it's at the end of the chapter, mm-hmm. verse twenty seven through thirty one. These are called ministry gifts, yep. and they couple up again with Ephesians four eleven through thirteen: apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, they which do. are also ministry gifts, okay? So, Pastor Chad, what I wanted to do for our conversation today, we don't have time in this episode to go into depth of each of them, sure. but I want to kind of hit them. Let's see if we can define them, talk to to each of them, and some of them repeat. So since they repeat, I figured we if, if we go to the second passage and the same gift reappears, we're not going to hit it again. Sure. We're just going to kind of hit each one first. So first gift, gift of prophecy. Gift of prophecy. Okay. Now, when we immediately think of prophecy, we think of someone standing up in a service and saying, thus saith the Lord, right? And and sometimes I think, Pastor Chad, if people don't hear that show up, like, thus saith the Lord, they think, oh, well, we did not receive from the gift of prophecy today. Hmm. But the reason I kind of kicked off, kicked us off with this one first is because this one, this one, first of all, is, is, is told by the Apostle Paul for us to eagerly desire it. But there's a lot of confusion around it. Not to despise it. Yeah. Not to despise it. So what is a prophet? First, First Samuel 9 and 9 has this excellent definition that he said, in the former days, before men of God were called prophets, they were called seers. seers. Right? Seers. What did the prophets see, Pastor Chad? They saw the world and people through God's eyes. And the point that I wanted to make here for our listeners is seeing for a prophet is twofold in nature. So it was intuitive in that they could look in the heart of a person, and sometimes they could bring to light the sin. They could bring to light whatever a person's struggling with, right? But then they were beyond intuitive to also being prophetic, where they would indicate the course of action that was supposed to come. And sometimes, Pastor Chad, I think we, at least from the experience that I had in the charismatic church, Mm -hmm. we think prophets talking about prophecy kind of speak out of a vacuum. But the, the point I wanted to see is that true prophets always speak out of seeing current conditions. Like the, the prophets of Israel saw the current conditions of the nation, and then they spoke prophetically and said, this is the result if you keep going down this path. They were able to look at the condition of God's people, obstinate, stiff-necked, whatever the case is, and then bring it in focus and say, God's going to either bless you or judge you based on your response. Your response, right? How are you going to respond? So... In that sense, Pastor Chad, prophecy involves foretelling. That's the word for right now, and foretelling. Mm-hmm. That's the word for hey, this is what's going to happen in the future. But the prophet is the one, or prophecy is the one who literally speaks for God. What would what would you, how would you flesh that out? Yeah. So when you mention prophet, then yeah. we're dealing with Ephesians 4, the yeah. end of 1 Corinthians 12. So we're talking about ministry functioning, right? Ministry gifts, those that the Lord has given for spiritual leadership in his body yep. to, for the equipping, right? So if someone's called and given by the Lord to the body to be a prophet, mm-hmm. okay, then it would be necessary 
that the Holy Spirit has given them the gift of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Meaning you're not going to have someone called to function as a prophet without the gift of prophecy. But you can have someone that has the gift of prophecy that's not called to function as a prophet. So that that's important because yeah. then if if you would never say, well, the Lord's not called me to function as a prophet, well, you don't want that true statement to then diminish mm-hmm. you coveting or desiring eagerly to prophesy. Yeah. Because you can prophesy without being a prophet. Right. So, and then Paul, you know, when he talks about New Testament prophecy, he talks about that it's to uh, help up, build up, and stir up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, encourage, and that's comfort. 1 Corinthians 14.3. Yes. And, and so there is some distinguishing factors in New Testament prophecy from Old Testament because um, one of the things that, those that's well acquainted in the things of the Spirit would even encourage people. Like when you said some, if they don't hear, thus saith the Lord, then yeah. they think prophecies not happening. Most who are mature in experiencing the things of the Spirit would say to not even start in that way. Mm-hmm. Because New Testament prophecy has to be judged by the hearers. Mm-hmm. And so when you say, thus saith the Lord, it's coming across as if there's no room for man or wrong communication mm-hmm. in what they sense. Yeah. See, if the Lord's actually saying it, then it don't need to be judged. Meaning New Testament prophecy is the Holy Spirit um, stirring someone to speak prophetically with the prophetic unction in the moment, but it still comes through our soul and personality, and therefore it's got to be judged, right? But it does. So the key there, though, it meets the church at the point of need or the person at the point of need. Yeah, there's a prophetic element of God breaking into the now of letting you know that he sees, he cares, he knows. And the application of God's word right to our now. Right, that's heart. why it helps them up, it stirs them up, or it builds them up. Yeah. Because when do we need that? Like when Hebrews says, when your knees are feeble. Yeah. You're, you're no longer wanting to run your race, or you feel forgotten, or you're like stuck yep. in a season. And so the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus that because of what he's done, you have promises, and then the spirit of prophecy is reminding yep. you and encourage you in the moment to hold fast to the promise, That's hold good. fast to what God has yeah. for you. Be encouraged to continue on and trust God. Right. It's stirring you up despite the circumstances. And, you know, in the occult, Satan twisted that aspect of the seer. That's why all of the, the occult seers, they all were blind. Yeah. Because what it's saying is, yeah. well, you're no seer if you can look in the natural and then say it. Correct. So the real prophetic, it comes, this unction that comes not because you've naturally... Uh, prepared it, it's it's the lord's now provoked mm-hmm. you in the spirit to something yeah and and so there's that prof- that's what makes it prophetic absolutely so it's the gift of inspired utterance but i know what someone's asking as they're listening mm-hmm. is oh, what makes the difference between that and a teacher and a prophet so i figure that would be a good segue it's so the preparedness a teacher, yeah absolutely so if i'm teaching i tend to be i know I know through me is the gift of teaching on multiple functions, right? So I can get, and that's a lot of prep. That's, mm-hmm. hey, I've got these three points, or I've got these five points, and or i got a list of things that I'm going to work through. Teachers tend to think synoptically, and they want to bring everything under an idea, and it's systematic, right? Bringing the Word of God to a particular such situation. And it situation. has general application to all the hearers, yeah. right? Yeah. Like but, when you teach sound doctrine, it's applicable to all the body. Correct. But the difference between that and a prophet is the prophet will ignore the three points and five points and will say the problem in your home is infidelity. That Prophets know your your name, your address, your zip code. Yeah. Right? There's a specificity. And, we've, and listen, here's the thing, though. We feel like this when we're around anointed preaching. Sometimes when we get in environments where it's very anointed preaching, it's like the prophecy of Nathan to David. It's like God's 
uh, searchlight is being beamed straight to our yeah, heart. That, the prophetic element, correct, can yep. come on preaching. Yep, and we go we go away from that encounter saying, "Man, God spoke to me through His Word." It's That's prof- the key. It spoke to me. Yeah. So it's moved from general application to everybody that now it's a lighting upon a specific person or situation, yep. and God is speaking to that specific aspect. Yep. Right, yep. through divine utterance yep. upon the, the one speaking. So you said, and we'll wrap this up on, on prophecy, you said 1 Corinthians 14, 3, prophecy, prophecy builds up, it encourages, it consoles. But at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24 and 25, to the unbelievers, it said prophecy convicts and brings a person to the point of conversion, even making a decision. Yes. So the thing I wanted to end here, Pastor Chad, is the gift of prophecy is to be earnestly sought by all in the church. Correct. And we... We say with Moses, remember when he found out two people were prophesying in the camp that didn't have credentials? <laughs> remember what Moses said? He said, "Wouldn't that I would that all of God's people were prophets?" That's and it. so we should say, "I wish that all people would come to know God so intimately and His Spirit so intimately that out of that occasion it would it would require an, an equal speaking out of God's word prophetically yep. to people." Yep. Right. So the that, New Testament yeah fulfills that prayer that he had. Yeah. Right. Yep, absolutely. So that's the gift of prophecy. Yep. Second one, gift of, the, gift of service. Gift of service, Pastor Chad. And this is the gift of relationship practicality. So serving involves practical ministry to needs. And you think about Jesus. Well, he well epitomized the gift of serving in the course of being a prophet, in the course of making disciples. Mm-hmm. But he steps into a situation on the night of his betrayal where they're arguing over preeminence. And he takes a towel, and he ungirds himself, and he washes the feet, and demonstrates through his practical service mm-hmm. the ministry of love. And I thought, Pastor Chad, notice that nowhere will the Scripture say that the gift of prophecy is greater than the gift of serving, or the gift of serving greater than the gift of prophecy. Both of these are such vital components. The body of Christ needs people who speak the Word of God, and it needs people who serve with the Spirit. Yeah. and the heart of Jesus, and whose primary ministry is seen as serving, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So when you think of that word serving, gift of serving, in, in Greek it's diakonos. Right. To, to Literally wait tables is actually what it means. It's where, yeah, the origin of the deacon That's function right, to meet in the local what, church. What would you say there about the gift of serving? Well, that's the key is that um, it's, you know, the grace, the enablement of God upon a person to supernaturally serve in a needed task in the local body. Mm. And that's why the function of deacons was was just that servant, and it didn't specify the specific task because yeah. the task can differ based on the local church's needs. Yeah. The key, though, is someone is graced and empowered by the Holy Spirit and has a gift to serve in whatever need is needed for the moment of that local church that's in great. the body. Yeah. And so what you see is normally, uh, which we might begin, uh, I might get ahead a little too much, but is that the faithfulness to to the gift you have or what is set before you opens up for other kingdom expansion in your life and more gifts being received, yeah. right? And also the potential moving forward to what Scripture calls your high calling. So this is the normal progression scripturally uh, is that you see is that when someone puts himself, and that's the importance of being led by the Lord to where he wants you in a local church yeah. is you have a context now where there's needs mm-hmm. right within in the body and outreach through the body to the community. And if someone then begins to feel that grace, that, that impulse 
that I'm willing to meet a need. And using that gift, they can begin to qualify themselves to receive more spiritual gift, right? Because mm-hmm. Jesus said to the measure you use will determine the measure you're given. So if you've been given the a measure of gifting to just serve, it doesn't matter. Like I think about how I, the journey for me personally. Where it started. Like it all started with me, me just being in a ministry and okay, okay, we, it was in an old bar. We needed to tear the bar out. Well, okay, I'll help. And you just start serving whatever's need. Mm-hmm. Oh, then we're going to go down to, to River Street in Savannah. We're just going to sing and worship and, and, and share the gospel. Okay, I'll go. It's just a, that desire yeah. to say, Lord, I'm available. Well, that's, that's that impulse there. Yeah. So for some of you, you think that what you're experiencing is normal, but it's not. That's the spiritual impulse of God's Spirit. When you walk in a church or in your ministry, you're just willing to help whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about yes, here. Yeah. This is the spiritual the, gift. Spiritual gift. Yeah, yeah. So we got gift of prophecy, gift of serving. Third one, gift of teaching, Pastor Chad. So teachers are systematic. They strive for accuracy. Oh, man. Luke 1.3, Luke was a masterful teacher. You can yeah. pick up on his writings, right? The gift of the Spirit rests on him. The Thoroughly account, that's orderly right. account. He had followed all things accurately, and he set down, the Bible said, serve to set down in order the things concerning Jesus. Another one I thought of, Pastor Chad, if is... If teachers act- want to suffer, all they got to do is turn on YouTube yeah. and yeah. just listen to every... Every other person. Every teach. other preacher out there, man. Acts 18.24 uh, Apollos is said to have the gift of uh, of, of being a teacher. He's, yep. The Bible says he's a learned man. He's a thorough knowledge of scriptures. He's instructed in the ways of the well Lord. Well communicative, right? Too. He spoke with great fervor, the Bible said, yeah. and, and about Jesus accurately. A great quality of a teacher, like Apollos, is also teachers are teachable. Yeah. That, that's They're kind constantly of constantly wanting to learn. Correct. And because of that gift of teaching, in, in Apollos, he not only confounded unbelievers but he built up believers mm-hmm. that's what the bible says of him we, and, yeah and another aspect you see about yeah. teachers is as soon as they receive something because they're willing to learn but then they want to pass it on yeah but that's why you see apollos was teaching what he had received but he wasn't thoroughly acquainted with with the whole gospel yet that's right yeah but that's that's a an impulse of a teacher as soon as they learn something they're looking for well who can i share Correct. give it away yeah and the body of christ suffers when the teaching is not accurate or when we don't set before the people of God the whole counsel of God. Correct. And this is why teachers are given to us. Yes. Right? Yeah. to clearly, accurately portray, communicate the whole counsel of Scripture. And I'm going to tell you whether you're an apostle or even if you call yourself an apostle or a prophet, if you don't have no teacher in your life, like that the Lord's given teacher, your gift and expression will be out of balance mm. without a doubt. Okay, and and this is the authority of the scripture is that that's why there is fivefold ministry, is that the Lord's working through the different fivefold functions help bring maturity to each of us in our specific function. Mm-hmm. So, uh, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, even a pastor, not so much, but the others will lack thorough accuracy, accuracy, and 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 their teaching and the outworking of their ministry to the level that they've not received uh, the Lord working through a teacher in Absolutely. their own life. Absolutely. So you got gift of prophecy. We hit gift of serving. We hit gift of teaching. There's another speaking gift. The fourth gift we're going to talk about is gift of encouragement, often called the gift of exhortation. Can I, can I say something yeah, about the teaching? I do want to clarify uh, real quick is that um, just like someone can have the gift of prophecy and not be called to function in Ephesians 4 as a prophet, same thing with teaching. 
So someone can have the gift of teaching, but it doesn't mean they're necessarily called to function as a teacher to the body of Christ. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So, and, and that's important because um, there are teachers in our educational system of the world that the reason you're drawn to that field is you actually have a spiritual gift of teaching mm-hmm. as a believer. Yeah. And and you're using that gift and you're graced supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, but you're doing it in the context of the educational system. And so, but that doesn't mean you're Ephesians 4 teacher equipping the body, but you do have the gift of teaching. Absolutely. So some of you maybe write books. That's a yeah. form of teaching, it right? Is. It but is. But that don't mean you're Ephesians 4 teacher, but you're not going to be an Ephesians 4 teacher without the gift of teaching. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. And and Pastor Chad, the th- the, I, I should have said this from the outset. This would be my heart for the person listening today or watching. Yeah. I was hoping that if you write down these passages, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, uh, Ephesians 4, mm-hmm. just put a as we go through the gifts, if you can do some homework, put a, put a little mark off to the side of each gift that you think that the Holy Spirit has bestowed upon your life. And then here's the second thing. Put That's a good. second mark if you have witnessed it in the body of Christ. Mm. Because because I think what happens is sometimes people say, well, I don't know that all these gifts are operative, but when we really hear them explained, then now we can start... Light bulbs. Correct. We can start connecting. Oh, I've seen that gift operative in this person. So it might just be a good homework thing to do as we work through yep. uh, these gifts. So that that's a gift of prophecy, gift of serving, gift of teaching. Fourth one, gift of exhortation or gift of encouragement. It's the Greek word, Pastor Chad for parakletos, one called alongside to help. Now, if you think about this, the gift of prophecy, gift of teaching, gift of encouragement, they all interrelate because we've all been exposed to verbal ministries which have blessed our hearts in different ways. And Mm -hmm. when I say verbal, I've heard persons who ministered under great inspiration of the Spirit who were not inductive students of the Scripture, who who wouldn't even be called teachers, Mm -hmm. right? But when they declared the Word of God, I knew it was heaven sent to my heart. And the thing that I want to say is I've known speakers who were great storytellers, and we see this a lot in, the, in our generation, who were not real students of the Word um, or based their ministry upon, thus saith the Lord, but they finished ministering to me, and it left me with a, a great sense of being built up. Their heart, in some sense, was so built up or in tune with God and with people that they were great storytellers out of the context of their own experience. But the difference, Pastor Chad, between the prophet, the teacher, and the exhorter and the encourager is that they depend on different ways to get their message. So so think about this. The prophet depends on his or her interaction with the Spirit of God and the Word. The teacher depends upon their thorough mastery of the subject to address it. The exhorter depends more upon a need to arise, and the exhorters in the body looking for the need so that he can address that to inspire people. Love it, yeah. Right? So the way we get our message is a little bit different in Mm -hmm. each each specific gift. It's true. And, And I thought Barnabas was a person. Yeah, he, yeah. Son of encouragement is what they, they, Acts 11. They looked at his life and and verbalized, man, this is what's happening through Correct. you. And he, he found it, helped to found the church at Antioch, Pastor Chad, but he went on and saw what God was doing among the Gentiles. And the Bible says when he got there, he was glad. He ministered to the assembled believers. And I thought, you know what? The Scripture says even Saul himself needed Barnabas to see the need. He did in the early seasons, right? For sure. He saw the need, and Barnabas is the one that welcomed him back into the brother uh, brotherhood of believers in Jerusalem. Right, when they doubted that he was even born again. Correct. So the church, And then he became an apostle. Yep. Which goes back to using the measure of, of what you currently have. That's right. 
and, and, and doing it faithfully. And doing it faithfully. But the church needs people who have the ministry of encouragement, yeah. both to the church, church as a corporate body and to us as individuals. <laughs> this might sound crazy to somebody, but the, the, natural, um, the natural byproduct, like in the world— what we're talking about, yeah. What it looks like in the world versus the, then the spiritual is like a movie. You watch a movie like Rudy, yeah. You inspired. watch, yeah. You I, it fires your soul yeah. up if you're a sports person, yeah. like courage, come at, yeah. But that's that's like a, a worldly picture of what this does in the encouragement. Yes, in the spiritual, it's like you're running your race of life, and the encourager comes right next to you, and it's just building you up, yeah. Just. And and it fires up your soul. That's right. That's, we need people who put who put their arm around us, encourages, inspires. And what's amazing about those people is just like what you said. If if they're not like well versed in scripture yet or mature, don't matter. I mean, it's like they'll say anything, mm-hmm. and it's just like your soul gets inflamed with a, a fresh passion. Yep. And so, gift that's, of encouragement, people. A, gift of encouragement, people have to be intuitive with reading a room and discovering the needs. Yes. They got to look at a room, and people say, well. I, like I, you know, I, I want the gift of encouragement. I'm like, okay, we'll just start praying about it. One, but secondly, eager desire, and then go into a room and figure out how in the world could I come along somebody, side right. somebody, and encourage them. Right? Yeah, now. we're not like just standing up and telling a whole room of, of believers, "Hey, God loves you today." Yeah, but that ain't gonna do it. Yeah, but if you get next to someone and they're running in life and you're aware of their need and circumstance, and you start boom speaking encouragement mm-hmm. to right with it, boy, they're gonna. Start feeling that fire again. Inspired, absolutely. Fifth gift of the Spirit. This is a motivational gift. This is Romans 12, Pastor Chad, called okay. the gift of giving. Yeah. Now, here's the key, right? And, and if e- you ain't giving, you ain't got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and each one of the gifts that we mentioned, there are dimensions of that gift that are universal to all believers. Yes. So to say that some have the gift of giving doesn't mean that others don't give. And I think we got to make this clear. It's the most misunderstood thing about the gifts that right. I've seen in my experience. Or to say that some have the gift of teaching doesn't mean that we should just sit down and not teach our children because that doesn't fall into our responsibility. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, all believers should be able to teach others in the elementary right. teachings of Christ. Yes. So in that, there's universal in each one of the gifts. Because they're aspects of Christ and we're called to be conformed to the image of Christ. Correct. But there's special application and refinement as we use them. And there are unique people in the body of Christ who have the gift of giving and seeing needs. And and, and if you have the gift of giving, Pastor Chad, you you need resources to give, whether it's time or finances or skills. And then the giver gives those willingly. And so my last thing I wanted to say there, you, you take it, is is the gift of giving person, he or she, doesn't ever give begrudgingly, but God has given that person, and this is what I've seen, mm-hmm. a real special delight in sharing for the benefit of the body. That's the gift of giving. Yep. Is there's a, is an extreme delight in, in expression. Yeah, supernatural empowerment to grace to give. So what's interesting is you'll notice... If you read through the Romans 12, where this one's listed, that Paul, after he mentions the gifts, he adds a characteristic mm-hmm. of fruit of that gift. Yeah. And that's what you're highlighting. It says that he who giveth, giveth with liberality, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not of this necessity. They have a joy in giving and and being uh, dispensers of his grace and, and the goodness of God through the functionality of, of giving. Yeah. So... Um, and I have found personally that people who have that gift are, are, you know, early on in their walk, what they need as they mature is that that gift to be um, restricted through wisdom, 
Because people with the gift, they love it so much, they'll give everything away. Mm-hmm. And that works if you're single, but not so much if you're married and have kids. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's true, it's true. Sixth gift, sixth gift is gift of leadership, Pastor Chad. And this is actually given by the Spirit to help set a course of direction and unify people for the accomplishment of the mission of, yeah. of God in that area. And we're going to talk about gift of administration in a minute, and, and I'm going to reserve some comments there to distinguish between administration and leadership. Yeah. But to help the body of Christ strive towards a common goal and build the community of God ultimately into that which would delight the Spirit of the Lord, to help that body of believers and and fulfill the objectives the Lord has for it, that's the gift of leadership. Now, mm-hmm. the key is there's different kinds of leaders, Right. But servant leadership, yeah. multifaceted, right? Servant leadership may be the best describes the the kind of leadership the spirit places in the body. What's well, the undergirding character, without a doubt, right? But but those leaders set the course, right? And leaders are able to inspire and move the ship in a new direction, which is a little bit different from the gift administration or management. Is that managers can only manage what's currently that's it. You, you're not going to have the ability to administrate if there wasn't leaders first. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Next gift, uh, Romans 12, it's, a, it's called the gift of mercy. Gift of mercy. For there are indeed critical needs where teaching or words can't help. Happy, cheerful people. Yeah, that's right. That's what Romans 12 says. That's the function, the fruit yeah. of it. Yeah. We need gifts of mercy. And you so, know why? Because uh, they, they bring less judgment. Yeah, that's true. That's what James teaches. Judgment without... Mercy, right? Mercy triumphs over judgment. So someone with the gift of mercy, they're so merciful, they don't bring judgment and discipline upon themselves because they're right. just so merciful. That's right. <laughs> I, th- I thought about Pastor Chad. It'd be a good a, gift to have. That's right. When a person's terminally ill, it isn't the prophet or the teacher or probably even the exhorter that's going to have the impact. It's the person who walks into the room who shows crazy amounts of mercy. At the end of life? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I, don't think I want the prophet show up at that point. Yeah, the I ter- need the prophet way before that. At the end of life, I, I'm just going to find out from the lips of the Lord if it didn't go well. But absolutely. I, the merciful person, absolutely. And the church historically is great at thundering pronouncement of judgment. We realize the wages of sin is death, but we also need to reach out with love and compassion because people are one to Christ through love. And I'm going to tell you something. It, this is a really powerful gift in our modern context. Oh, yeah. Somebody with the gift of mercy. Now, sometimes that, that mercy streak can be a mile wide and it becomes a person's downfall in that they, they allow every, everything to happen and mercy to run rampant and then there's no clear leadership or direction to move things forward. But the redemption of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ, like orphans, even in our world, they need those who have ministry of mercy. Widows need people who have a ministry of mercy. And if of somebody doesn't have the ministry of mercy or, or a gift of mercy mm-hmm. and they try to, to, to live long term... With somebody, or terminally ill, somebody at the right. end of life, or uh, you know, maybe they got a six-month pronouncement of a slow death with with mm-hmm. AIDS or cancer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the the healing balm of Gilead gets applied to those wounds with somebody with a gift of mercy, but it takes that supernatural empowerment to continue to do that day after day after correct. day. Correct, correct, yeah, and that's that's where birth is mercy ministries, right? Yeah. So. Um, and and you made a point, like a lot of the, even if you think on the political sphere, a lot of stuff like that, like of people who confess Jesus, you're right, it's, it's mercy gifted people, but who lack the other forms of Ephesians 4 leadership yep. to mature them, where then that stuff goes into extreme, like you've talked before about 
uh, than just the social gospel, right? So yeah. no need to preach repentance and yeah. salvation because the mercy has went out of balance. Correct. So uh, you see that, but the in the context we live in, when when the righteous foundations of, of biblical worldview is so far from so many nations of the world, that has led to so much great dysfunctions yep. uh, right in people's lives. Yep. And so that's what you're saying. The mercy ministries, I mean, can go anywhere. Correct. And there's needs because of the effects of dysfunction across the nations because of how far we move from biblical yes. worldview and, and that's, eternal truths. You know, Pastor Chad, we often, we often look at the gifts of the Spirit and say, wouldn't it be great if we all exercise miracles and healings? But if every time the need was addressed by miracles and healings, there would be no need for the gift of mercy because you don't need mercy unless someone's hurting. And if a hurting need was always met by a miracle or healing, then the Scripture would never leave room for the gift of mercy. Correct. And and the real shocking statement to those that's out of balance on that side of, of just thinking God needs to do a miracle for everything is hearing that there are some things that a miracle actually won't fix. Yeah. That the design of God is is through these other forms of healing. Yeah. For real growth to happen. Well, how can how can a how can a Mother Teresa pick up a dying person shriveled up in Calcutta? I mean, these people go to extreme measures. We'd say of willingness to identify with the suffering, and they're deeply impactful. Mm-hmm. That's a gift of ministry. Yeah, I, I mean, you can't take a babe to an adult through a miracle. Yeah, like instantaneous yeah. miracle. That's not how God's designed growth to happen. That's right. So along the process of a of a, a baby becoming an adult, there's a lot that happens. Correct. So you need that function of God's heart, the mercy gift of Absolutely. Jesus. So that's the, that's the seven gifts lifted in Romans. We've already hit those seven And in that Romans Greek 12. word, as you study out, is yeah. praxis. Yeah. Which is why he says, you know, a lot of people talk about motivational. Yeah. Praxis, I, w- I wasn't, I was okay at math yeah. up until algebra two and then pre-cal and all that, I was done. I didn't have a chance to be an engineer at that point. But, you know, I remember you dr- you draw on those charts, right? Yeah. You had the different praxis. Yeah. Quadrants. Quadrants, the, yeah. yeah. X and Y axis. X and Y axis, yeah. And so that's the same type of language here as you praxis is why are you drawn to this quadrant of ministry? Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's your motivation. Yeah. So that's why people call it the motivational gift Correct. because it's the different praxis of, of function in ministry. Absolutely. So that's seven gifts in Romans 12. If you are happen to be in front of a Bible, we're going to now jump to the nine gifts, what we what sometimes called spiritualities, oftentimes called charismatic gifts. But they're in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. The first one, Pastor Chad, gift of wisdom. Mm. The utterance of wisdom, as it's called. Wisdom is a trait of character and discipline and thought life, but it's also a special gift of the Spirit when one speaks an utterance of wisdom. Now, think about this. In John 8, 7, Jesus exhibits this when they, they, they confront him with the woman taken in adultery, and they ask him to judge her, and he, with a word of wisdom, turns the whole situation on its head and says, let him who was without sin cast the first stone. That's powerful, yeah. That's a word of wisdom. Yeah. That's a word of wisdom also seen in the early church in Acts 15. The church is debating the whole matter of inclusion of yeah. non-Jews. James, the leader, speaks a, a word of wisdom. Stands up, yep. Right? It's good. And so whether it's a decision of the body or whether it's a personal decision, people who operate in a word of wisdom, they it is just that. It is a clear spiritual gift. Wisdom, by the way, would not be needed if all the time we had operating the gift of faith. Meaning, if everybody was using faith, we'd simply get whatever we asked at all times. We would never need wisdom for the way that faith would work. But the presence of wisdom, I think, is the balance to faith. And faith is the balance to wisdom. But 
what would you say in terms of word of wisdom, applied knowledge in, in, in this specific gift? Yeah, that's the key is like um, there's, a, there's a lot of knowledge that can apply to a situation, but how do you know what is the right knowledge mm. needed? You know, so there's, there's, there's many of the ways of God, but how do you know what is the way he's chosen for this need, mm. right? So the Old Testament type shows us God can save through few or many. That's right. So, but I'm facing this, so how do I know if he's chosen few to be the method or many? Well, it's the word of wisdom that distinguishes that. Yep. So, um, you know, it's It makes the timing important. right. Right, then that's what wisdom is. Like, you know, we like to say uh, wisdom is the right knowledge, applied in the right way at the right time. Mm -hmm. So you have sort of that threefold cord lining up, and that's the power of wisdom. I mean, I've said and knowledgeable gives, things to people and even truthful things, but it wasn't the right knowledge yeah. at the right time in the right way, so it didn't edify them. It and, didn't give and, them a breakthrough. And the other thing, Pastor Chad, is the gift of wisdom, word of wisdom, will also, when it's when it's coupled with the other gifts, mm -hmm. it, it brings, it gives the other gifts significant impact. Because the, the now now I know how to operate in those gifts in this specific good point. way. Yeah, right. Yeah, because a, a wise person would say, "Hey, uh, there's actually many tools that can uh, hammer a nail." Yeah, and and God has many tools, right? He's given us uh, many weapons of warfare. Yeah, and so wisdom would remind us all that um, not every attack the the main key elements the shield of faith. Yeah, right. Because the key attack might you might need the helmet of salvation. Correct for this one. Or the attack in order to overcome it, you need the belt of truth. Like First John 2, the young men and women in faith have overcome because the Word of God abides in them, yeah. not because they have a, a sound mind that they're saved. Correct. So that's the power of wisdom, yep. um, of knowing. And there's so much knowledge of God's Word and knowledge in life, at times we can be overwhelmed, even if someone loves the Lord, growing yeah. in the Lord. But that Word of wisdom, boy, it just pierces through all of those options Correct. and says, this is the way yeah. they're walking. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Next one's a gift of knowledge. Here we're not talking about book knowledge or scholarly knowledge. No. We're talking about an utterance of knowledge. So this is either a person who either knows God's Word in a deep way or knows something. Um, I always say it's a revelation of facts of past, present, or future which were not learned through the natural mind. So I think of Ananias. And normally words of knowledge bring supernatural encouragement. Or they'll give confirmation, they'll give insight, they'll give understanding. Insight, I like that one. You know, I think I think of uh, Nathaniel, who knows that David's, you know, Nathan's had a, uh, David's had an affair with Bathsheba that mm -hmm. no one knows about, but the man of God knows because to him that's a gift. Um, Jesus in, in Nathaniel, John one forty eight. I love this in the, uh, in the, uh, oh, what's the, the Chosen. Okay. Been watching the chosen, and in John one forty eight, he said, "I saw you, Nathaniel, while you were still sitting under the fig tree." That's a crazy powerful scene in the chosen. Yeah, and it's a word of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, he's like weeping uncontrollably because Jesus looking right into his experience. Um, Peter says to Ananias and Sapphira, and, and "Can we say about that? Yeah, go ahead. What distinguishes that from a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, is that uh, a word of wisdom instruction comes with it." Mm. Meaning there's application with it. A word of knowledge is not so much instruction comes with it. It exposes where there's been darkness. It's it's light breaking forth where there's been darkness and lack of clarity. Yeah. Insight is breaking forth where there's been questions and wondering. And so And and in that sense, it can it can reveal where sin has been covered up. Of course. Yeah, right? because God's a God of light. Yeah. Right. 
So um, Peter, Peter to Ananias and Sapphira, word of knowledge. You've not lied to me. Correct. It you wasn't wisdom. To, it wasn't like, hey, do this. Yeah, you lied to the Holy Spirit. It was knowledge of what was already done. Right. But this goes. To, but the word word of knowledge also it's proven, Pastor Chad, because it's always validated in how it plays out. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So if it's of the Spirit, then it's going to be clear. Yeah. It and and in the Scripture, every time the word of knowledge comes like that, it becomes easily. It, it's almost not just easily; it's almost immediately recognized. Yeah, I mean, it's not—it's not delayed. This is not something like prophecy of foretelling. No, 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 yeah, correct. No, yeah, because you said a lot of times it's about past events. Yeah. So what I've seen it a lot because of, um, you know, what we do in discipleship and transformation phase, um, and people dealing with the residue of their past and how to put off. Um, dysfunctions of their past so they can walk in the, the new humanity, the new person we are in Christ. It's a lot of t- times people are aware of their struggle mm-hmm. or what they're going through, but they're not aware, they don't have the knowledge of why they're that way. Yeah. That is where I've seen a word of knowledge just, through. oh my gosh, because yeah, you, you cannot have on a cognitive level everything that happened to you when you were two or three. Yeah. But if something happened to you at two or three and it embedded in your soul is the memories and the feelings that you had and the interpretation, the wrong perceptions and the lies of the devil attached to that moment, and that is empowering dysfunction in your life, a word of knowledge yeah. slays that question of, well, why am I the way I am? Mm. So it's not like instruction that comes with wisdom. It's the exposure. And it's the same thing you talked about. That exposure there is exposure of a form of sin. It's not mm. necessarily sin you've committed, but it's an exposure of how sin's affected you. Yes. Well, it's the same thing you're talking about, like with David and, and Nathan and all that, is how the word of knowledge, uh, the light can expose where there is. And I've seen word that. of knowledge come forth to give people strategies in spiritual warfare. That happened back-to-back situations where people needed strategies about how to war over certain... Well, it could turn into a wisdom. It could end up being a word of wisdom, yeah. an instruction. So a lot of times I see it when I'm asking a question like, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. That's what I need, mm. a, a, a word of Insight. knowledge. Insight. Yeah. Then there's the gift of faith, Pastor Chad. Now, we're all called upon to have faith, but then Correct. there's a special operation of the gift of faith where you get this mysterious surge of confidence in a, in a situation. They, I call it a firm persuasion. They positive people. Yeah. When they're operating that. Yeah, and this special demonstration calls forth the potential in a person or a group. It's this overwhelming. There are some people who have the gift of faith that will cause faith to arise in a whole group of people, right? Correct. Like they get around a group of people, and fa- and we, we often identify the gift of faith as functioning only with those who see immediate results. But the, the point I wanted to make here, Pastor Chad, is there's two dimensions to faith, is that there's faith that sees immediate results, and there's a gift of faith that perseveres when there's no immediate sign, but there's still con- continual faithful trusting that what God has spoken He'll bring to pass. Yeah, and just the relational trust aspect, right? Correct, correct. Think of think of missionaries of who've been serving for decades, so to speak, and have an extreme gift of faith to continue to do what God's called them to do, but it may be a decade before they see God accomplish the purposes they felt in their heart. Yeah. You know, but that, that gift valid. of faith is, it's a firm persuasion. It's valid. So... Some faith is a faith which helps others continue in trial. Hebrews eleven thirty nine, right? So, anything on, on faith there? Just yeah, well, just like what confidence. you said, all, all the gifts, when expressed, help build that aspect of Christ in others. In others. Yeah. So, when you're saying as someone who lives operating out of the gift of faith, that's going to encourage others to seek to trust God and what they're going through, mm-hmm. right? So, there is a level of the inspiration and and their 
ability of trusting God and what they're going through. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's how the spiritual gifts infect in a good way uh, the body of Christ towards maturity in Christ. Absolutely. So, um, so still in First Corinthians twelve. Eleventh gift we talk about today is gift of healings, or or sometimes it's called gifts of healing. Yeah, both gifts and healings are are in the plural actually in the original text. Now there's different ways that healing is administered, Pastor Chad. Physical healing through the laying on of hands, or speaking an authoritative word, or through anointing with oil. Mm-hmm. Then there are different gifts and varieties of healings: physical healings, emotional healings, spiritual healings, gradual healings, instant healings. Different ways that healing come right. Um, and and I, I guess the point that I wanted to make here is there's, there's a variety of needs for healing and varying varying gifts of healing to be administered. But someone who's going to operate in the gifts of healing, um, some people have a gift for praying for people who have cancer. There's others who 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 have a gift for praying for people who are possessed of evil spirits, and others maybe need to be delivered from alcohol, like and the effects of alcoholism and what's what it's mm-hmm. brought about. But the gifts of and healing. times that can be a gift of faith operating that yeah. way too. I've seen, but yes, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So yeah. gifts, gifts yeah, of Old healing. Testament example, right? When he told the the prophet about, you know, basically it was make a, a fig, yeah, put on the wound. So today that that's that's like your organic uh, people, right? But what I'm Holistic saying was health. is is in it's it's he, types of healings. Yes. So ultimately, God wants His body healed in the sense that we can fulfill what he's called us to. Yeah. So if that's the case, I don't care what method he chooses. Yeah. We want the healing. Yeah. So that's that's what you're saying. Yeah. It's healings plural, but uh it's it's still the Lord healing. Yeah. And it save, saves us from disease, saves us from the effects of whatever disease it is that's ravaging a body or whatever on the physical side. And and I mean I guess I understand cuz we can be conditioned to believe anything, and there is a real devil that lies. But, you know, people that are get so wrongly religious and negative against healing, but they go to the doctor when they're sick. Yeah. And just on the lot, just think logically how that's not congruent. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing you got to remember is that why are you so resistant to a gift of the Spirit, but your life displays the opposite when you're sick right so the problem i think comes sometimes is when if i've received healing and and one thing is then to mandate and think that that's how god's going to heal everybody else around me right yeah and that's not the case yeah he has healings plural and so the motivation in this gift is that people would be healed it's not they're not set on what has to be the method yeah but sometimes immaturity even with the gift can be like, well, last time God used me, just lay hands and pray for him. Yeah. Well, this time it, that might not be the way he's designed for right. healing to spring forth. Absolutely. It might be a fast, like Correct. Isaiah 58 says. Correct. So um, it, it's important, the the dynamic diversity. And why do you think God does that? To keep us dependent on of him. Of course. What you totally think? dependent. That's my opinion. Yeah. I Next, think that's what Scripture says. Correct. Yeah. Next one's gift of miracles. These are distinguished, Pastor Chad, from healings in that miracles include a demonstration of God's power in an, in an unusual measure. And one of the ways I always like to distinguish them is they especially re- relate to uh, miracles in the realm of nature, so such as the feeding of 5,000 mm-hmm. or miracles that involve resurrection of the dead, right? The gift of miracles vindicates the name of God. Yeah. Probably more so than Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Miracle vindicated God's name. Mm-hmm. Miracle of lighting up this yep. water-soaked offering right yeah the greeks helped me the most personally yeah because 
It's working of dunamis. Yes. An energy or an acts of power. So Acts 1.8, when we talk about yeah. Jesus says, I'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and power. Power's dunamis. Peter walking on water. Same thing. Give yeah. the miracles. So it's applying the dunamis power that we all can receive through being baptized with the Holy Spirit, but applying it for the miraculous, right? Yes. And so it's applying His authority in situations and commonly, as you said, in nature. Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. That's I, what I start thinking about. I think about that iron uh, axe head that floated too. Yes, you same to the thing. Top. So, so I think the common themes are there is that those gift of miracles vindicate God's name or they deliver God's people from an enemy, right? So think of, uh, you know, the miracle of delivering God's people from the hands of an enemy like Moses, right? Or they provide for those who are in need. And this is another key one. Who are in need seems to be the purpose. Providing for people in need seems to be the purpose and the motivation for these miracles. It's to bring provision to God's people in that moment. Yeah. Bring about the widow of Zarephath, right? Yes. Yes. The oil kept multiplying as long as there was empty jars. Yep. So when the Spirit came upon Samson, because a lion surprised him, he worked the power that would come upon him to destroy that enemy. Yep. So that, that's that's what you're saying. Correct. Uh, I mean, the truth of the matter is, I, I don't ever really, I mean, I have and will continue, but I don't really want to be in a situation where I need that gift. The gift of miracles. Because it's what you're saying. You're facing something that in the natural is insurmountable. Yeah. Yeah. So Next one's the discerning of spirits, Pastor Chad. This is used by people in the body to distinguish whether or not a person who brings a spiritual message is from God. So, But it's more than that. Way we'll talk more. about yeah. Acts 20. 26 through 28, Paul warns that that pastors at Ephesus have to distinguish between those who come in wolves and sh- in sheep's clothing and those who bear a true message from God. So there's a discernment needed mm-hmm. of what a person, what message is from God. Then there's a discernment between, Pastor Chad, outward appearances and inward realities. Simon, Magus or whatever in Acts 8, outwardly appears to be an earnest seeker, mm-hmm. right? But discernment says, no, he's a fraud. He wants the gifts of the Spirit for his own advancement. So the, the disciples use the gifts of the Spirit and say, no, you can't buy the gift of God. Mm-hmm. Um, right. What? How? What would you add in, in gifts of discernment? I mean, there's so much there. Yeah. To well, unpack, but. the gift of discerning of spirits and in discernment, there one, you are able to discern uh, demonic spirits mm-hmm. and distinguishing, uh, which becomes very important, or even the human spirit from an evil spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, at times, um, you think you're dealing just with the person who's got character issues, but you're actually dealing with the demon that binds them, that's working through them supernaturally to cause chaos and dysfunction. Um, like Paul did with, with the slave girl, Spirit yes. of Divination in the Book Act of Acts. 16, yeah. yeah, Acts 16. So, but here's the other point that, that's missed the most, I think, in talking about discerning spirits. It's also the ability to discern the moving of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and this is why I talk about those who have experience in the, the things of God when it comes to the ministry of the Spirit and, and the manifest presence and power of God is that there are different anointings and, and working of the Holy Spirit when we corporately gather. The healing anointing, when God is healing in a room, you're able to discern something totally different than when God is... Um, you know, speaking and, and calling people to repentance, mm-hmm. like a spirit of repentance yes. going on. So it's a discerning of spiritual things, both evil and demonic, but also the working of God. Yeah. So um, 
it is just a sensitivity to the unseen world um, that, and so that helps and people grow. Ministry. Local church ministry. Let me tell you, uh, uh, yeah, a pastor who also engages in pastoral counseling, to have that gift can save you hours and hours of frustration and just, yeah, in a sense, wasted it's a great talk. Point. It's a great point. So it is a thing to be well coveted yeah. spiritually. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Next gift, the gift of tongues there in 1 Corinthians 12. And Obviously, this differs from personal tongues, Pastor Chad. The, these are tongues that occur in a public setting. Uh, somebody gives a message in tongues, which leads us into the next 15th gift we're talking about, and that's the interpretation of tongues. We've yeah. spent a lot of time on message and interpretation. Um, but it's really interesting that it is an interpretation of the text, not a translation of the word. Yeah, so, explain that. This is very important. Yeah, so you interpret a painting different than you interpret a written text. That's why sometimes in interpretation, the interpretation is longer and shorter than the utterance in tongues. And so times I've seen somebody get up and give a message in tongues, and it might be 10 seconds, and then someone gives an interpretation, and it's a minute. And they You're think, given the essence of yeah. what was said, right? Right, and people think, well, it's a transliteration. It's not a translation It's or transliteration. It's a interpretation of what God has spoken, like through the, the, the New King James, I'm holding here. That's a translation because it's translated word for word, correct? Right? Okay. Correct, or thought for thought, whatever. But yes, it but, is and still... then, but the, like the Message Bible, we don't call that a translation. No, it's a paraphrase. It's a paraphrase. So you're saying that the gift of interpretation is, in a sense, paraphrasing the essence of what was said. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and to me, the more normal normalized way of understanding interpretation of tongues is since the person who speaks in tongues is speaking to God the interpretation should normally reflect the pattern of speaking to God. And oftentimes, I, I've been in environments where that's not the case, right? So it's this speech to God, and, and mm-hmm. oftentimes we always see it as being just a, oh, God saying to us, but oftentimes it might be the, the sense of communication back to God. So this is what God... It's very important what you're saying here. You know? That, because that's why then Paul equates that the gift of tongues to the church, in, in this setting we're talking about, and then the interpretation of it, equals prophecy yeah because if we're saying something to god and then it's interpreted back if if we're saying god like you are a protector you are a way maker something like yes. that and we're going the congregation or people's going through a seemingly insurmountable battle then that then equates to a form of prophecy yes it it's, does. it's 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 a Yes, a testimony of Jesus and His faithfulness right in the midst of a specific need and So that's why we say, Pastor Chad, when we pray, it doesn't happen all the times, but when we pray sometimes, immediately we sense God answering back. And that's why sometimes in an utterance in tongues, there's, there's followed not a prayer or a word of praise, but an exhortation. And so there's this exhortation back to God's response. But... But the key there is is that these these gift of tongues is differentiated from what we call personal prayer language, where Paul wishes that all would speak in tongues. And, and this the, is yeah. in the public setting, he's talking about the message of tongues that needs an interpretation. Always, you know, and, and that interpretation, corporate. of course, then puts it on the level of of a prophecy. Prophecy, right? So because he says, "How can someone say Amen? Agree with what they don't naturally understand?" Yeah, in a corporate setting. But this is why, friends, listen. This is why we stressed early on that you cannot go to people that have not experienced what it is they're reading in Scripture to truly understand what the Scripture is saying. There, there is no one in their natural ability, even a child of God, who can go read just the black and white text of Scripture yeah. when it talks about tongues yeah. and come to a right understanding without experiencing it. It's not possible because it's so dynamic of being able to distinguish between what is 
a corporate gift yes, yes. that must be interpreted. What is personal yeah. praise and declaring the wonderful works of God, speaking yeah. in tongues to God, to God, right? What is the Romans 8, a different type of groaning? See, yes. I know exactly what that is because I've experienced, experienced it. it. Correct. Yeah, I know absolutely the difference between a Romans 8 moment and a, and a 1 Corinthians 12 moment. Yeah. But I didn't for years, yeah. and I could fight people yeah. over it and say, yeah. well, the Scripture says right here. That's knowledge. We got to understand what the Scripture says. Absolutely. And once you experience things, begin to, like people get scared of, well, tongues in a corporate setting. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, in the church we, we lead, we've experienced that. And you see the order of God's Spirit when it happens. Of course. Of course. If Absolutely. it's of God, it's like that holy hush comes. Mm -hmm. The I mean, it's 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 led of the spirit. When you experience, it's like, oh, that's what Paul's saying. That's right. That's you right. Know? It's amazing. Absolutely. The next gift there is the gift of being an apostle. Now we're jumping to the end of First Corinthians twelve. So, so we're getting into functions, right? Yeah. Doma type. That's right. An D-O-M-A gifts. A, an apostle, Pastor Chad, in a technical sense in the New Testament, is the one who has an eyewitness of the Lord and who's been commissioned by the Lord to lay the foundation of the church. That's why Paul says, 2 Corinthians 12, 12, the things which mark an apostle, signs, Seen wonders, and miracles were done among you with great perseverance, right? But an apostle had surrounding him a supernatural ministry in the New Testament, right? Here's the interesting thing now. In that gift of apostleship, though no one has seen the Lord like, like you know, Matthias being replaced Judas, so to speak, that steal the gift the of The 12 apostles. apostles is what you're talking about, the original 12 yeah, apostles. The gift of apostleship is still to establish Christianity in new context. Right. Missionary work, lay the foundation of what God wants to do in that region, that yeah. area, that city. Absolutely. And how do we know it wasn't just for the 12? Because Scripture and Acts highlights people that were called apostles that were not in the 12. Yeah. Barnabas is a clear example yeah. in Acts 13. He's a sent right? We have no one. we have no confirmation in scripture that that uh, Saul, you know, some think he became the 12th that it wasn't right. actually Matthias, but scripture don't confirm that. But we have clear uh, Saul and Paul and Barnabas who were not a part of the original 12, mm -hmm. right? So, um yeah, the the Greek just means sent forth and it's sent forth to accomplish the specific work that the Lord sent it for. Right. Right? So um, yeah. The yeah. next, next, and Pastor Chad, there's people who have the gift of helps, and that's the, again the end of First Corinthians twelve. But the special ability that God gives to some members of His body to invest the talents they have in the life and ministry of others in the body, so that enables the other person to increase their effectiveness and their own spiritual gifts. Yeah. I um, uh, uh, it's not my definition. Ray Ortland calls people who have the gift of helps the glorious company of the stretcher bearers. So you remember from Mark 2, the, the four who bring the paralytic on the stretcher. For yep. that man to get to Jesus, it required somebody who had the ministry of helps. They had to help him to Jesus. That's good. I hadn't heard someone say that's good. You know, like so that. in some sense, the gift of help, somebody doesn't want to lead charge. And oftentimes, they may want to be a part of some of the details of administration. But the gift of helps is a person called alongside of to help, to engage, Correct, to yeah. accelerate. Yeah. Yeah. The Old Testament type would be the Levites, right? Yes. So that's an Old Testament type. And a lot of the helps falls in then to the understanding the deacons and the, the gift of serving and the yep. deacon function. Yep. So, um, yeah, they're a blessing, right? right. So uh, they're not the leaders, but they help the leadership. And you need both and. You yep. need the body to be the body. Every member is vital. 
Absolutely. Next gift is the gift of ministration. In the King James, they call it the gift of government. Government, they say. Right? Which is interesting. But the Greek, the Greek word means the one who steers the course and makes sure that everybody is bending towards accomplishing that purpose. So, Pastor Chad, the only thing I wanted to do here for our time is just differentiate the gift of administration from the gift of leadership. Like, I've known some excellent leaders who were poor administrators. Of course. I've known some excellent administrators who were poor leaders. And I have no problem with that. It's just difficult when those people don't know that. Yeah. I like the ones that say, look, you know, if if you don't mail my check to my house, I'm going to lose it. And you're going to have to cut another check. I'm going to lose it before I get home. The The leader needs the administrator. <laughs> the administrator needs the leader. And we ought not to saddle people with things that aren't their calling. Right? Meaning, Amen. at the end of the day, I, I, at the end of the day, some people with, with the gift of administration they set out a task, they map out the task to accomplish the task, right? They take care of all the details, but not all administrators are leaders no, able to no, no. lead the charge. And, and that's, you know, the apostles in local church leadership yeah. is the ones that create the scope of the work needed. Yeah. And the administrators come and within that foundation and scope function. Yep. And so um, this is why honor is so important uh, when it comes to spiritual gifts and stuff like that, is that... You know, you don't want a administrator who what they're doing is important and making sure that the T's are crossed and I's are dotted and, and things are being done excellent within. But to act like there would have been all this ministry if it wasn't for the leaders who Correct. went first and, and established the scope yep. for the ship and the mission Correct. of the Lord. So, Correct. um Absolutely. And Pastor Chad, Ephesians 4 kind of adds some final gifts. We've worked through those three passages. Yeah. One is those is a gift of being an evangelist. When they get up to testify or witness, people are always coming to the Lord, right? They, and that doesn't excuse the rest of us, of course, from being witnesses, but it does recognize that there are those who especially have the gift of evangelism. <laughs> yeah, when you see it, it's amazing. Right? Yeah. They're recruiters. They're infectious folks. With the teachers, it's looking like... I've said that a hundred times and people didn't come to repentance right. or something. It's like, it's just amazing. They say the simple things of God's word, but because of the function of the Holy Spirit through it, the Lord opens There's people's hearts and it. minds, yeah. man, the authority of Christ. It's beautiful. The next one is a gift of pastor shepherd. And this is a person who assumes responsibility for the spiritual welfare of God's people. The, the word pastor, pastor Chad literally means shepherd, shepherd. one who looks out for the flock, Right. Key pastors, in terms of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, or pastor, teacher, pastors, they, they again, they take care. They seek to maintain. They show their love for God by the way they feed the sheep, mm -hmm. feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. And and unfortunately for many of uh, denominational networks or leadership networks, um, if you felt a call to fivefold ministry, you really only could be a pastor. Right. Right. For yeah, for I mean, decades and decades in the West, if you hear a young man or young woman say, "I feel called to ministry," the only thing they knew to attach visibly or practically to what they were saying was that one person on the stage or, or be a you know a pastor. Yeah, and so then you have what you said earlier. You got people in holes or functions of the body doing something that they're not really graced to do. And it's just a miserable experience for everybody Absolutely. in that sense. You know? Absolutely. So well, Pat, one, one last one, Pastor Chad, and then we're going to tie some, some thoughts just together okay. on holistically, but one gift, just throw it out here, could perhaps be a spiritual gift. And I only say it because of what's said in the text, but the gift 
spiritual gift of hospitality. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9 through 10 says, Offer hospitality to one another. But the phrase is immediately followed by an admonition to use your spiritual gifts. Mm. So it's almost like within this framework of Peter, the if the admonition to use your spiritual gifts is immediately preceded by a teaching on, on hospitality, right. then the apostle Peter is maybe considering hospitality a special reaching out to others, mm. a gift of the Spirit. It's and it just, is an important point because historically within the context of Christianity, the historical church has never seen that these four texts are the exhausted list yeah. of possible spiritual gifts, right? Yeah. So we mentioned like exorcism earlier, yeah. but historically within Christianity, that was often referred to as the gift of exorcism. Gift and of if, celibacy, 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Well, that one's listed, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, so the not exhausted list, yes, not exhausted. Correct. So my point is, is it backs up the possibility of what you're saying, of of understanding in context what Peter says. Why would he go from mentioning hospitality to then yeah. talking about gifts? So yeah. I agree with that. First Corinthians sure. thirteen three is really you could say the gift of voluntary poverty. Yeah. Right. So for ultimately, I, mean, if I, I give, don't want to do it if I'm not gifted. Yeah. If that, I give all saying? I give to, to the poor, miserable. he says. Right. Yeah. That's a person who, by the Spirit, has this unique ability to empty themselves of all needs. And that's what Jesus, when he talked about the gift of celibacy, it yeah. seems he distinguished. There are those who are gifted by God, but then there are those who do it for man yeah. and don't really end well. And yeah. then there's those that do it for other reasons. Absolutely. So, well, Pastor Chad, we've gone through twenty plus gifts. Awesome. In less than an hour. Here's my challenge for the person listening: is if you, I suggest, take the list of gifts and probably one or two, perhaps, that you could say, man, that really describes me. Realize the Lord has all of them. Nobody in the body has them all. No. But the whole body needs every single gift. And getting clear about how God has specifically gifted you. And then what I wanted to do, Pastor Chad, here as we close, is just say a few things about them okay. in Mass A general. First of all, these gifts are for Christians. Yeah. Right? Born again, followers of Jesus. You can't receive the gifts or function in these gifts, which are meant to glorify God, build up the body, save the law, serve, serve human need. You don't function in those unless you have the gift of salvation. Right, because of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's right. The Holy right. Spirit's not for the world. That's right. Right, it's for the for children the of God. That's right. Yeah. Secondly, the gifts are given for the benefit of the body and Christ's work in the world. So they're not given so we can be stars. No. So we can be on top, right? But the gifts are given not that we would be bring attention to ourselves, but that we might be better servants and more yeah. effectively serve the Poor body of I Christ. I say so much there. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. T to know long-term the right expression of gifts, it takes holistic relationships with, with the Lord's people mm. with different gifts. Yeah. Because your gift will bring benefits mm. yeah you see what i'm saying yeah of course but it takes other function of the lord to to wisdom or guidance or, or administration or governing to just protect what is wisdom and all of that stuff absolutely absolutely to guard from excess and error and glitches. third thing pastor chad i had is the the gifts can never be divorced from love so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, to follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, right? Yeah. And so we are to walk in the way of love. All the gifts need to be exercised in love. Can I say something on yeah. that? Because oftentimes you hear when Paul says, um, if it's not done in love, it doesn't have benefit. But that's not actually what he says. He says it won't benefit you. Mm. 
if it's a gift of God, it's going to benefit when it goes forth. Yeah. It just won't benefit the person using it mm. because they won't get rewarded because it's not done in love. Yeah. It's not done according to the character and the motive. But, you know, it will still benefit. God will still use it for hungry people. Like Judas wasn't doing it out of love, right? Yeah. But it was still benefiting others, but it didn't benefit him. Yeah. So that's a distinguishing there. So That's good. That's um, real good. Yeah. The next thing I had is, is the gift should not be confused with spirituality. So some people measure their spirituality on the basis of their gifts. And my, <laughs> my thought, Pastor Chad, is that gifts often have little to do with spirituality. They have to do with getting the work of the Lord done. In Matthew 7, Jesus says people are going to stand before me and talk about the wonderful work they did. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Yeah. There have been people I've known in my life who had real gifts of the Spirit in operation, but who have been apostate in their life and character. And that can mess up young believers. I mean, yeah. It messes, because once given, they're irrevocable. The gifts of God, they're irrevocable it's in Christ. True. So they always function. So in that sense, our gifts can't be God's stamp of approval on our theology. Right. Right? And they can't be God, they can't be confused with spirituality, so we don't go wandering after people simply because they have gifts. Correct. We model our life after people who are showing the character of Christ yeah, through the, Jesus. The, the greatest authority and demonstration of, of God's work of His Spirit is the both and, right? When we have the inner life of the Spirit, which is the fruit of the Spirit, character of Christ, but then we have the and upon empowerment of the Spirit. And... Um, it's only possible by depending on the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit because that's where you see a great divide in the body of Christ is those that, you know, make more prominent one to the neglect of the other. Yep. You know, so yeah, people use the Matthew 7 and say, well, then they diminish spiritual power and stuff like that because we don't want to be this. Yeah. Well, it's not it, It's not that you want to do that. It's, it's just, not one at the expense of the it's other. It's not either or. It's a yeah. both and, but... um but yes, there are all kinds of minefields that can happen to a young believer, and any believer, of, of navigating the messiness of all the possibilities that you can see or experience out there in the world. Absolutely. Or yeah, in the body, I should say. Absolutely, in the body, yeah. body of Christ. The next one I had, Pastor Chad, is the gifts are often matched with natural inclinations. And the whole point I wanted to make here is if we need to look for people who have a tender heart to be ones functioning in the gift of mercy. Like, look for people who are highly organized in your church who often function in the gift of teaching. Look for people who are naturally f happy and glad to function in the gift of exhortation. Like, I don't know what natural proclivity goes with miracles and healing, so to speak. I expect there isn't one expect, except the desire maybe to see God's compassion and outreach towards people. Oh, there's a boldness. For yeah, sure, there's probably. a boldness. But but the gifts are natural inclinations, but they, or excuse me, are, are, are build a base of natural inclinations and that oftentimes our personalities tend to equate or at least complement the you gift see that, that God gives. I mean, scripturally, you, that's the evidence you have. I mean, you want to talk about someone going in unreached areas and starting new works. Well, you're going to need a bold, sort of in-your-face, confident, zealous person. Well, that's where you get Paul. Mm -hmm. That was his personality, yeah. right? So, I mean, he's persecuting the way, thinking he was right and was wrong. But what you see is a personality, but then his spiritual calling began to align without that, with, that with that yeah so um yeah you see that dynamic play out uh for sure next one i had is the gifts pastor chad tend to be developmental in nature so in in first corinthians 14 we're told to perfect the gifts um what scripture was that i'm sorry uh first corinthians chapter 14 he talks about perfecting so meaning 
we need to continue to use the gifts to be developed, to see them to be developed more and more. All the gifts are that way. Like you don't operate in the fullness of a gift no. the first time that you operate in it. No, and, and, and the reason why is because um, there's understanding. Jesus says to whom, uh, Mark 24, like you quoted earlier, to him who has, more will be given. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mark uh, something, four. Four, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, correct. And that's because... You can all we can always grow in understanding revelation light, but then also character and motive and knowing the intent and heart behind the gift. So there's no way the first time I express a spiritual gift or a new believer, you know, gets baptized a spiritual gift, do they know all yeah. of God's intent of how he For can that use gift. that gift? There's no way. Right. So you're constantly can get more and more uh developed in the exercise of that gift. Uh which is encouraging because as disciples, there's just always so much to learn man, and to grow Correct. in it. Last few things I had, Pastor Chad, is, is next one is they're not proprietary, meaning they're not my gifts and I'll use them however I want. They're for the body. All the gifts have parallel virtues to them, right? We're all to express these virtues, meaning I'm not to get the gifts and use them for myself or to prop Correct. myself up. They're to use to, to build the body. Which also means I have a right in Christ— if you think about this the other way, it's a challenge to demand mm-hmm. and have expectation in a brother and sister who's gifted in an area I need. I have a right to demand and expect and draw from that gift in mm-hmm. them. Yeah, because you're belonging to the body. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and the Lord put that there to help For me the- in my time of need or whatever. And so... Um, and that leads me to my next one is that each of the gifts will be confirmed by the body of Christ. That was my... There's no true ongoing function of a gift unless it has the ratification of others in the body. You can't you can't say you constantly have a spiritual gift right. and no other person in the body brings ratification to that. Yeah, there's going to be the fruit and evidence of that working, that manifestation, right, of God's Spirit in your life consistently. Um, yep. and, and that's the pattern we see in Scripture when and then, they affirmed. This is the last one, Pastor Chad, because I'm thinking someone's saying, well, how do I individually exercise a gift? So individual exercise of a gift emerges from a combination of desire, prayer, and need. So I just thought, okay, for the person listening, ask yourself the question, what are the the desires God's placed in my heart? That's a good question. What comes to me while I'm praying? What needs is the Holy Spirit calling me to address? And when I consider the matrix of those things, desire, prayer, and need, God begins to individually anoint us in His body so that we have this unique calling to fulfill our portion or a part in that local context. Um, what else would you say to somebody trying to say, how do I individually exercise this specific gift? Yeah, well, you have to be in a sense, if we can use this phrase, planted in a context yeah. where people can know your character. Because when Paul told Timothy to stir up his gift, it was on the basis of the genuine relational trust and faith he had. Yeah. Meaning it wasn't that he was gifted that qualified him to use the gift in his context, it was that he had the character to undergird, to stir up the gift. And so how do you know, the only way to know character is to do life with people. There's got to be some form of longevity to discern a person's character and spirit. And then you express willingness to whatever need arises. Arises, And, um, you know, the, the best way we encourage people, you know, I know a decent book, it's average, building with balance on this topic of spiritual gifts and stuff, but as we encourage people to just start serving, yeah, give opportunities for the Holy Spirit's gift to manifest in the context of other believers 
so that they, it can be affirmed over time. Yeah. You know, as much as pastors love you or leaders in the body love you, like they're not praying just for you yeah. every day. So the way God witnesses to leaders or the body to affirm where he's gifted you is when you put yourself in context and keep serving faithfully and the gift manifests and then they see it and they're able to affirm it. That's right. You know, yeah. so it's not always people say, well, tell me what gift I have. Well, dear God, I mean... I don't necessarily know. Jesus knows. And if he tells me, I'll tell you. But the main way is to start serving. Yeah. And that helps also leaders be able to sense and discern with the Spirit as the Spirit manifests through your Absolutely. life. And the last thing I'll say, Pastor Chad, about the gifts, and this is the thing that's most surprising for people, is only very few of them occur in a church service. Most <laughs> of them in the book of Acts occur in the marketplace. Yeah. And so the majority of them are occurring in our everyday service to Jesus Christ and our ministry to the world. So we are to assume that when we come to a service, the Holy Spirit is just limited to working in that service. But the reality is God, like I said earlier, 39 out of 40 miracles in the book of Acts are outside the walls of the church, um, is that these gifts are used outside the context of what we call even the local worship gathering. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and last thing, you know, I'm pleased to, for you all to listening or watching today, look over that list and say, you know what? Like I would say, Pastor Chad, from my standpoint, point, the, the majority of these gifts are operating the body. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that says, oh, I read these gifts in the scripture and think, oh man, I've never seen those before. Oh. Like when I, when I work through these gift passages to get ready for this podcast, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, I've seen these and I've, I've seen all of these in operation. Yeah. Growing up mainline, no, but when I came to, and, and this is a point is you, this is a reality, but if you ask yourself why, it gives a lot of understanding theologically that you're going to find those that have been baptized with the Holy Spirit by Jesus know their spiritual gifts more than those who have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. And it's because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an acceleration mm -hmm. to the use and the discerning of the gift that gift or gifts that we've been given from the Lord. Amen. So meaning you find the people who believe mm -hmm. what we talked about last episode and yeah. in, in a second you know, work of the Spirit and for empowerment of ministry, you'll find that people that believe in that and claim to have received that are also people who are more clear and more confident on how they are gifted. That's right. That's right. Yeah, without a doubt. So, Holy Spirit, bless us. Bless your church today with all of your gifts. We, right. yes. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to build the church and make it whole. And Pastor Chad, we neglect them to our own loss. Oh. Right? We need it. These gifts help us minister the love, life, and power of Jesus through the supernatural. So that's it. Love that's it. a wrap on today's episode. So that's love a lot. It. I know it's a lot to kind of hit them, and maybe in the future episodes we can go into each of the gifts a little bit more. Yeah, and, but just and, stir interest, right? And, yeah. Um, a hunger for you to get into the text prayerfully. Yep. And yeah. if you have a question as it relates to some of these spiritual gift passages we look at today, I would love, we would love to hear from you. You can put it on here on YouTube. Obviously, reach out to us as well. You can at the church at any moment, and we'd love to be able to address. But any anything to keep the conversation uh, moving. And there's so many stories we could tell. Oh, it's, yeah. Amazing, amazing that what God's done through gifts of the Spirit Amen. in people's lives. Amen. Amen. So I, heard, I won't tell it, but I heard an amazing one in our own church. Yeah. I don't think I've even told you this, about the war of Russia and Ukraine, mm. of a prophecy that went out over 20-plus years ago. And I was talking to someone about their family that I, because they're Ukrainian, I assumed they were in Ukraine. And he told me the story. Mm -hmm. And all his family, after that project, had moved to Russia 
because God had already in this circuit of these churches told the prophecy of this war yeah. over 20 years ago. Yeah. Are you talking about them? And, and stories like that are by the thousands yeah. of the work of God's Spirit. Amen. Amen. So thank God for His leadership. Thank God so. for the Holy Spirit. Well, my friends, that's been a wrap on episode four here of season number three. We'll come back next time and continue talking about the leadership of the Spirit. God bless you. God bless you.